The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to an episode of The Crowncast. And it's a Wednesday cast, and it's not going to be the last Wednesday cast, but it is going to be the last Wednesday cast of season one, of campaign one, of of football one. Uh, but I am not one. I am not alone. We're not doing one game. We're doing three games. So we need three people on the podcast to make sure that we get all of the reviewing and all of the thoughts and all of the stuff out there for you, wonderful, beautiful listeners. And uh, that means that I am joined as ever by Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. And I am joined as ever by Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. So, uh, like I said in the intro, we have a lot to get to. Uh, We had a lot of games back-to-back. We had the game that obviously got postponed due to the rain gods deciding that it should not have been played. And uh, as a result, we sort of just went post-react, post-react, post-react. And we got a lot of reacting, and now we have to do all the thought process behind it. So, what I think I'm going to do here is I'm going to go over to you, Josh. And I think we will start, you know, chronological order with the Philly game. I also think it's probably the most fun one to talk about. Uh, so do you want to give us just sort of a general overview about the Philly game and, and your thoughts on the game, what you saw, and, you know, maybe we'll each weigh in a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like a, a while ago, actually, this game happening, even though it, it wasn't, it was what, October 1st. So um, I guess about two weeks, but it feels a little bit longer with all the everything else that happened. But um, this was obviously the best performance that uh, Charlotte had, I think, all year. Um, Philadelphia is has to be the favorites to come out the East in the playoffs. And Charlotte absolutely took them to the woodshed in this game. Um, or nothing, Daniel Rios um, having the game of his career. I think he doubled his career goals in MLS or something in this game alone. Um, and he really was efficient with it, too. There's a lot of tap-ins for his goals. There's obviously the penalty, but I don't mean that as a as sort of a, a knock on him. He he did what I think you want a, a number nine to do, which is get into dangerous areas um, and finish. And he he did that really well. You know, watching this game, I think people still underestimate how good Philly is offensively, um, and the fact that we were able to hold them to no goals. Um, and very few, even really dangerous chances, I think just shows sort of the um, the structure and the effort that was put into this game. Because Philadelphia can defend, as everyone knows, but they really can score this year. Um, they have a lot of talented uh, attackers on that team, and we just really didn't let them do, do much of anything. Um, and everyone's going to remember the scoreline, as they should. Um, four nothing is is a great score, but it wasn't just the scoreline that shows this. Um, when you go down every every part of this, we you know outpossess them, we outpass them, we had better passing percentage. Um, there really wasn't anything that jumps out to me where we lost in this game, which is again just really surprising and, and was a really great surprise. Um, because coming into it, this was about as mismatched, I think, as you can get um, in the MLS, honestly, um, or one of them, anyways. Um, yeah, and then the if, final, th- sorry, uh, I was just going to say, the final thing I'll say is is Uzwiak. 
Um, he really jumps out to me in this game. Um, he obviously has a couple assists in here, but it was just his doggedness in this game. Um, almost every time he had the ball, he was driving at people. When he dis- when he got lost it or the team lost it, he was going after guys to get it back. Yeah, I wanted to 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 add in on something that you said because I, I think it's a really good point. There is one st- statistic that we sort of fall short of Philadelphia on, uh, and that is that technically they took more shots than us in this game. And I think it is such a huge uh, sort of statement that we took one of the best, uh, you know, attacking teams in the league, if not the best attacking team in the league, and said, haha, our defense is so good. You're just going to have to take a whole bunch of random pot shots from from really low chance areas because that's what happened in this game. Basically, we controlled it so well that instead of them making, you know, decisive, you know, hurtful passes into places that are high chances to score goals, they sort of got relegated into just taking shots whenever they got any sort of half chance at it. And so they do take 12 shots in this game. Only one of them is on target. Uh, Josh, you might know that better than me. You might have that on yeah. top of your head. Yeah, yeah, just um, one is on just one is on target. Yeah, just one is on target. And from those 12 shots, they make 0.8 XG. You know, in comparison to Charlotte in this one, again, uh, we take nine shots, we get four goals. Uh, it is it is a, a statement on the fact that when we were making attacks, we were making intelligent, effective attacks. And we didn't leave this with, you know, four goals or or with three shots and a penalty and got four goals because we hit everything we got you know with the penalty shot we got 10 so we were making more than just one or two attacks and got lucky on all of them you know maybe four goals is a little flattering but danny rios earned it so so good on him justin uh, i am going to go over to you for a question on this one because there's been a lot of talk swirling around the team about the fact that Crystal Latanzio may stay on as the head coach slash manager. And I mean, nobody can deny he went to, well, he went to, he played the best team in MLS at the moment and literally put them to the sword. In your opinion, is this Latanzio ball the first time it clicked? Like, is this the first time that Latanzio ball was like, yes, we uh, in the game before I, I believe we played Chicago Fire and we had a good attacking display. But it, this was the first time it really fired off. Or would you say this is more of a, a flash in the pan and we can't really look to it in the future? No, I mean I think everything that you saw in this one is is what Christian Latanzia wants to see out of this squad going forward. You know. It, it, Josh talked earlier about Kamaliya's VX play. I don't think that enough can be said about the fight that he put in. Uh, and I think that's something that Latanzio wants to see is that that effort from the wing, that effort providing service and finding the spaces and fighting through. I think it's what kept Jordi Reyna on the bench for a lot of the remainder of this season, the second half here, and what has seen the emergence of, of Kamaliya's VX on that left wing. Um, I think that, you know, the play of Nuno Santos in the center of the park uh, in sort of that eight role covering in and, and moving the ball forward, he earns the penalty for the third. You know, he's uh, he, I, I think all of these things are elements that you want to see out of Latanzio. I think this is one of those moments where everything works right 
and it's very difficult to replicate everything works right. I, I think now what we need to see is sort of, this is Latanzio Ball. Now we need to see consistency in Latanzio Ball where we don't need everything to break right, where we don't need everything to run perfectly, where we can do, you know, seven out of 10 things right and still come away with the wins. But yeah, this is exactly what Christian Latanzio wants. We we possess the ball more. We pass the ball better. You know, we had this match uh, really in a stranglehold um, through from from the first goal on, uh, and that's what he wants out of this team. Yeah, I mean, I think you say something really good there in the fact that we had them in a stranglehold, and and we see it. You know, in this one, there are I believe five yellow cards to Philadelphia, and that is what happens when you have a team sort of in a death grip, right? When you've taken advantage of your chances, when you have, you know, essentially your foot on their throat, they start to get desperate and they start to reach for things. And all of a sudden that ball seems a little bit further away and they start diving in and the yellow cards start piling up. And, and eventually I believe it's Kai Wagner gets sent off in this one and really finishes the game, you know, really just sort of makes it nothing against that team. Nothing is a walk in the park but really takes the air out of anything that they may have had left in them. And I think it's really important to say that, that it, it takes a, a connected, effective team to do that to anyone, much less the best team in the league. I'm going to pose the same question back to you, Josh, sort of same question. Do you feel like this is a flash in the pan or is this the first real look at Latanzio ball? I think that the overall performance might be a little fluky. I don't want to say flash in the pan because I do think that he's a good coach. Um, I've, I've always thought that the managerial side is what he needs to working on. Um, so I think flash in the pan, you know, sort of implies that it's never going to happen again. And I think it could. What I do think it showed, though, is there are certain ways that he wants this team to play. Um, you know, I'm unsure that we ever see Swiderski really back as a lone striker in this system. I think the reason we keep seeing Daniel Rios is because he's not someone who drops deep to get the ball. He is a striker who stays up the pitch. And I think that is something that Latanzio wants. Latanzio wants hardworking, quick wingers, which is why, um, to, to Justin's point, you know, Reina is, is quick. But I wouldn't consider him hardworking. Yuzwiak is. Vargas is. Um, so I, I think that there are parts of this that definitely show. I think that we just, it really all came together at a good time. Um, and a performance, I, I think, is going to take another little bit, maybe another year or two, um, you know, before it's consistently showing up on the pitch. Yeah, I think it's a good call. I definitely... I personally feel like it is a a window into something that could be, uh, but it's going to take a lot of of the the hard details to actually get us to that point. I am going to move us along, uh, and I'm going to get us into the Columbus Crew match because uh, not that I don't, not that I didn't love the win over Philly. I think it was probably the most spectacular win of our season. I think it was the most complete performance we played. Uh, I think it should be hailed and set up on a pedestal is what we should be trying to do in the future. Although, you know, maybe you could argue some things, players, you know, style changes a little bit. Uh, I'm going to move us into the Columbus crew because I think there's a lot more to talk about. The first and most important thing we have to talk about is this is obviously a game split up over multiple 
days due to the rain. Um, and I don't think you can talk about this game without first and foremost talking about the inclusion and subsequent exclusion of Guzman Carujo. We have, om- I, I'm not going to say we've forgotten about Guzman Carujo because I don't think anyone has forgotten about Guzman Carujo. But I, I think that we had a period in the middle of the season when we lost Guzman and we saw how much of this team was held together by, as Justin once put it, Guzman's ACL. Uh, that guy was grabbing all of the frayed edges of this team and just holding them together with everything that he had. And he was a great, uh, you know, tackle on the turn defender. He was very progressive. He read the game really, really, really well. And we did not uh, have Guzman for the rest of the game. And as a result, we also aren't able to use some of the people who really stepped up in the Philadelphia game, in my opinion, in Nathan Byrne and Allison Melanda, who had looked spectacular. We, we don't have the right to use them. So all of this is prefaced by the, the fact that we played this game without our best defender of the time and without the ability to replace him by the defenders who'd really been showing up for the team recently. Um, Jan Sobosinski gets uh, deputized into this one and really thrown into the fire. And I actually think, you know, despite the fact that we left this game with a, I left this game feeling very flat because obviously this is the one where we lose our actual chance to be in the playoffs. And uh, I believe it's Miami uh, didn't do their job. And we, you know, it wasn't only our results that had to go correctly. But so it's just a sort of piling on. But if you look at this game, like if you actually look at it deeper and see what happens, we look a lot better than I think most people will remember that game. And I'm not just talking about the second half where we score the goals. Um, I think we have to put out a statement here that says, Ben Bender, how on earth did you miss that shot? Uh, I, I hope I'm not being unfair. I have the exact same expectation for Ben Bender in front of a wide open net from three feet away that I have out of Carol Swiderski. I believe that his touch, I believe that his technique, I believe that his vision of the field is every bit as good as Carol Swiderski's. And if he can do the sort of thing that he did just, just seconds ago in that play and, and, you know, get himself open, if he can make the runs into space, if he can beat the defender on the right side wing in order to put in a great crossball, if he can do all that work, that little tiny piece at the end just kills me. That uh, I, I was, I was very frustrated. I think it's fair to say that uh, you know an, an A plus 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 effort for everything up to the point, and then you know it gets to the point where all you have to do is turn your test paper into the teacher, and you just decide not to and throw it in the trash can instead. Uh, maybe that's being a little bit harsh, uh, but I'm sure we can talk about it. The The rest of the match is not a, a blowout. You know, uh, Columbus Crew does get one good goal against us, I would say. Um, they make some uh, some really good magic to a ball that goes off on our defensive left. And it, it's a good cross. An oncoming runner takes it for their second goal and and puts it in the back of the net. And... Teams are going to beat you like in this whole space of time where, like I said, defensively, we're 
we're in a transition shift. Teams are going to get chances. The other team gets to do tactics too, right? So I don't think anyone in their right mind looked at this game and said, well, we're going to have Anton Walks and Jan Sobosinski. And they are going to do all of the work that no one has been asking them to do yet. And and the other team isn't going to get any chances. That's just not realistic. They were going to get some. We all knew that. But we got the better of the chances. If you go back and you look at this game, you know, we put up, I believe it's slightly more shots. Uh, no, actually, they put up slightly more shots, but we put up significantly more XG. We get significantly better chances at 2.6 to 1.6 XG, which means we really could have come away with three. Uh, and that includes a 0.6 XG single chance for uh, Ben Bender that we've discussed. This was a game that we could have, and in most instances, win. It was a shootout. Shootouts happen, especially when you have you know defenses which have to be very connected, which have to know how to work together, especially when you have those players that that maybe haven't had the time on the training ground working together or maybe haven't don't don't have that faith in each other yet when they're on the actual field. It was always going to be a bit of a shootout. And we gave ourselves the chance to win that shootout, and we did not in this particular time. And that sucks. It sucks even more that the reason we don't win this shootout is because of a crazy set-piece goal. And you know, one of the things that I'm going to deviate from, from the script here a little bit, and I'm going to ask uh, Justin for your opinion on how culpable is Christian Kalina for the over-the-top set-piece goal. Oh, man, that is really difficult to say. I, I think that he it's, needs to be alert there. I But but in most situations, especially, you know, the official has just sort of, of blown to try and move. I think it was Brant Veronica was trying to stand over the free kick back. And that's normally a time when a keeper has the opportunity to sort of, you know, take a, a step or two forward and try and marshal his defense and try and make sure that he's covered. Um, and it's, it's just a... It's a perfectly taken attempt in, ter in terms of the power. I mean, the, the, if you watch the shot again, this thing drops into, you know, the base of the back of the net. It's the first time it touches the ground after uh, Zalarian kicks it. And yeah. it's perfectly taken in terms of power, you know, the technique. I think that maybe if you want to talk culpability i can only put maybe 20 to 30 percent of this on kalina this is the vast majority of this has to be on the excellent work uh unfortunately of uh lucas salarian i will tell you i'm actually a little bit more down on kalina here than you are and that's kind of a reverse of our normal fixtures um uh i i do feel like the keeper's job is always 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 be alert um it's you see Ben Bender try this just previous uh, keepers know that at any point in time, these guys all have the leg to take a shot from half half field. Um, everyone knows this is not the first time that Christian Kalina will have had a crazy over the top ball go over him. And the first time that happens to you as a keeper when you're 13 or 14 years old, that's when you got to learn. That's when you got to learn you cannot shut off. That's when you got to learn you always have to be cognizant of what can go over the top. 
And I do think that we have to acknowledge how absolutely incredible the shot was from the place it was taken. Um, I don't think Christian Kalina leaves himself in an awful position, but I do think you have to be aware of it. I think I'm more in that like 60-ish, 65% range. Uh, Josh, do you want to weigh in on this one for me? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely closer to you than I am with um with Justin. I think we talked about this a little bit on the post react when it when it happened as well. For me, it Kalina, he's a veteran. He's, you know, one of our best players. In this game, that can't happen. And and as you said, you know, Bender has just tried this, you know, that it should sort of be fresh in your mind type of thing. Um, I mentioned this on the on the post match as well, but I'll, I'll say it here. I do think if we're assigning blame or assigning credit, um, I think Jan gets a little bit marked down because he is the one that causes the foul on Zalarian that leads mm-hmm. to this, and it's a poor one. I mean, it's the middle of the field. Zalarian has his back to goal. There's no reason for it. Um, I mean, it's it's a small small thing. But at the same time, it's an unnecessary foul. But I think it's also a foul that a young center back who hasn't gotten a lot of time is making forced to play for the first time really in months. Is It's not surprising that he makes that. Um, I'm probably assigning about 50% blame to Kalina on this, giving Zalarian about 40% of the credit and then maybe about 5% to uh, to Jan on that. I know that doesn't add up to 100%. The rest of the five is uh, the rest of the five is just stuff you can't you can't account for. The the rest of the five is the rain gods. Um, exactly. No, I mean ultimately, you know, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's just football. Like the all of these things add up, and in a game that you're playing for 90 minutes, a lot of stuff has to go right, or a lot of stuff has to go wrong, um, for you to to see a ball like this go in the back of the net. The same thing sort of happens with. Uh, I believe it's uh, Jordi Alcivar who hits the Olympico earlier in the season. Um, a lot of things have to go right and a lot of things have to go wrong for yeah. something like that to go in the back of the net. Uh, and and you're right. Uh, a significant portion of it is probably on Kalina. Uh, Zalarian deserves the respect for hitting a, an absolutely incredible ball from that position. Jan Sobosinski probably deserves uh, a little bit of of questions for making a relatively unnecessary foul and the rain gods are obviously against charlotte fc and we have apparently just learned that justin is actually the nice one on the podcast so <laughs> so yeah well, um, i don't know if i would call me the nice one ask if i think latanzia made the right decisions oh see i'm about to um <laughs> I, it's like you know me justin uh no i am actually going to go back to you justin because one of the things that we see is uh we we all sort of have this these thoughts, and if you listen to our pre-match for this one, there was a lot of talk about uh, does Ben Bender and uh, Quinn McNeil come off instantaneously? Um, does you know uh, Joseph Moore come off instantaneously? What is the the way this plays out? And after the game, Christian Latanzio comes out and says that I I told my players they all have a chance to play, and I told my players that they have a chance to prove that they're worthy of being out there. And that is my word to the players, and it has to mean something. So I gave them the chance to play. I didn't immediately switch to the squad I've been using. And he stuck to his word, question mark, for for better or worse. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions to be asked here. Like Jalen Lindsay kind of 
didn't play until the very end. And although uh, Quinn McNeil and uh, Ben Bender do do play for a little bit, um, you know, whether he hits it or not, Bender creates like two of our chance, two of our good chances in that time. And admittedly continues to have his defensive struggles, but, you know, gets in for the best chance of our attack in that first half. And second half comes around, they're pulled out. So it feels like to me, it was like, yes, I'll, I'll give you the, the chance, but, but not really. Uh, so I don't know, Justin, am I seeing this oddly? No, I, well, look, Latanzio said, I'm going to give him a chance. He gave them the chance. I disagree personally in this situation with giving them the chance because they're not in form players right now. I'm not saying anything about their, their class or anything like that, but these are guys who haven't gotten minutes of late and they haven't gotten minutes of late when they've been practicing every week. And, and Christian Latanzio has had the opportunity to see them play every week. And, and these are still guys that aren't getting into, you know, our, our, our MLS matches. And so you can have every faith in your players, but you also have a responsibility as the manager to, to put the best team on the field, to give you the best chance to win, especially when you're in a situation we didn't know at the time that Miami wasn't going to come through and, and hold up their end of what we needed. Uh, or Orlando wasn't going to hold up their end. They were going to concede to Miami instead, and it wouldn't end up mattering. We still needed to win this game. We still wanted to win this game. Going into it, we, we knew we had to, uh, to give ourselves any chance at the playoffs. And to do that, I think you had to make the decision as hard as it is for the players, as much as a confidence knock as it might be to some of these players, you had to make the decision right away to make the changes, to, to get the side closer to the one that had been winning of late. And even if you don't want to say, you know, maybe give them a half an hour to get to, to you know, halftime, and that's what he did for Quinn McNeil and Ben Bender, but it doesn't explain why Joseph Morris stays on as late as he does, why Jordi Reyna stays on as late as he does, you know, why it takes so long to get... Kamil Yozwiak, who we talked about when, when we played Philly, was maybe the best player yeah, on that perch. Earth-shatteringly earth good. Um, until 75 minutes for these guys to come on, you know? It, like, even if you wanted to say, I'm going to give these guys the opportunity and, and make the change at halftime, I could have understood that better than waiting until there's only 15 minutes left in the match to make these changes that we knew from the jump were going to be necessary. You know, we knew right away... That, that guys like Danny Rios, uh, uh, you know, Derek Jones, Kamil Yuzwiak, these are guys that had to be in and playing for our team to have the best opportunity to win. And so I understand him trying to keep his word, but but I think bigger than keeping your word to your players is, is your responsibility as the caretaker and manager of this team to put us in the best opportunity to win. And I do think, and I carded Christian Latanzio for this after the match, I think Latanzio failed in that responsibility. Yeah, and I, I mean, one thing I want to add in here is, politely spoken, the second goal is not entirely Joseph Moore's fault, but it does come off Joseph Moore's side. He's not a player who has consistently performed recently. Like you said, it's another player off the bench who has not, not really had the, uh, the time to, to fit in and, and, and get match ready. And yet still he was preferred over Jalen Lindsay for 
basically the entirety of this match. I think he comes on at like 76 minutes or something. So, you know, a 15 minute, is, is that math right? 14 minute run out before mm-hmm. time? Yeah. Math math is difficult, kids. Stay in school. And uh, and he was still preferred. And I, I have a bit of a hot take here that I, I think that's probably the last time we say Jalen Lindsay if Christian Latanzio continues on as, as manager. You guys may, may gawk at that or, or tell me that I'm just crazy, but I, I cannot see how if Jalen Lindsay is trusted in any way, shape, or form, Joseph Mora in the performance he's putting on stays on as long as he does. Um, does anybody want in on that or should I move to the next? I am going to say that is a move to the next. Um, uh, I do think we have to comment the fact that uh, Danny Rio scores again. He is a natural goal scorer. He will continue to score <laughs> at a rate of somewhere between one and 17 goals every game he plays from now until infinity. His only real competition is uh, a little guy named Erling Holland, and I'll be honest, I don't think the guy stands a chance. Um, well, they they made the FIFA team of the week together after that Philadelphia match. Uh, Holland is the striker in the FIFA starting lineup, and Danny Rios is his backup, which seems like the right place for Danny Rios. <laughs> um, no, nah, they just wanted to give that little Erling Holland guy a chance to to feel good about himself. Uh, I do think it, it's right that we call out Andre Shinishiki, who comes in, and I, I don't know what the plan is for Andre Shinishiki. He's been re-signed to a, a, a long-term deal. He's supposedly uh, in a position that that should be a, a centerpiece of our squad. The guy gets goals um, at a more regular clip, a more expected sort of outcome than anyone else on the team. And he, he's just sort of missing... I return to my my earlier comment that I think him and Jay and Lindsay have a professional thumb wrestling thing going off on the side, and that's why they're never actually in games. But uh, he does it again. He comes in. He's not necessarily the the sharpest in every place. Uh, Justin, I, I owe a statement to you that you pointed out. I can't expect him to be perfect when he hasn't played in forever. Um, but his fight, his sort of fox-in-the-box nature goes and and gets us another one and draws us level. And he is, uh, you know, even though he scores, he's one of those people running in to pull the ball out of the back of the net and say, I don't care if we have 30 seconds, I'm going to bust everything I've got for 30 more seconds to go get another goal. And that sort of fight and that sort of dedication, I think deserves to get called out. My final thoughts on this game are, it was actually a really good performance that due to some, some weakness on our wings, and due to an absolutely crazy over-the-top ball, really failed the eye test. Um, I think that going 2-0 down, no matter how well we played with what we had on the line, just made sort of everyone in the stadium look at it and go, well, this is not a great performance. When in actuality, the team did pretty well. Um, Justin, any final thoughts on the uh, Columbus Crew game? No, not on Columbus, no. Well, then we do have thoughts on our website. Uh, For those of you who have been following us for a little while, you know that we now have a website and you can go there and you can read about some of the things we're thinking about. You can see some of the photos and things we take from the games. And uh, all in all, we think it is a pretty cool place, especially because, and we will remind you, that uh, we have recently kidnapped Banks, Beers, and Soccer. Uh, That's right. We found out where they live. We went. We found them. They now work for us. 
We have brought Banks Beers and Soccer online with us. We're so happy to have them. We did not actually kidnap them. We bribed them with ice cream. And uh, Josh, who is now a regular part of the podcast, Josh, we love you so much for everything you do over there on the website. Uh, Justin, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to mention as we move into the offseason for Charlotte FC, you know, there's going to be a lot of content coming out. Josh is going to be leading a lot of the stuff on the, the website. Um, and we are incredibly excited. You know, if, if again, if there's anything you want to see from us, there's a great contact us form. You can get a hold of, of any of the uh, members here of the podcast through that. And uh, Josh wanted to see if you wanted to go ahead and talk to us uh, about the new writer that we've got coming on board. Yeah, so anyone who has uh, followed Banks Beers and Soccer will probably have seen a couple articles from uh, Stillness Speed. That is his handle um, on Banks Beers and Soccer was his handle there, and it's his handle on Twitter. Um, but it, his real name <laughs> is uh, Yuan, and Yuan will be joining us uh, to have some writing over at um, thecrowncast.net. Well, I'm really excited that he's following uh, me over, whereas I like to get into the the numbers and the nitty gritty with that. He is fantastic when it comes to actually looking at the tactics and what the coach and team is trying to do on the field. Um, so it's a good balance to to try to match that eye test with the with the numbers that we're seeing. All right, then we are going to move it along, and uh, I'm going to move it along to Justin. Uh, could you walk us through our our last game against the New York Divers? I mean, the New York Red Bulls. Apologies. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's the last day of the season. It's decision day, and we are up in New Jersey, which no one wants to find themselves in in the last day of the season to play uh, the New York Red Bull, who, as I said before the match, are my least favorite team in all of the MLS. And I continue to not be super happy with them, but um, it, I thought it was very difficult for uh, our, our boys for Charlotte FC, primarily because, you know, we talk about we talked about teams that were on the beach when when we talked about, you know, our preview for the remainder of the season, how how we thought we might have an opportunity against some of these teams that didn't have anything left to play for because they were in the playoffs. We were a team who didn't have anything to play for because we knew we were out of the playoffs. It's very difficult to to bring a lot of energy to an effort that you know you know isn't going to have a major impact for you or anything. It's very difficult to to go in quite as hard, and so we were flat kind of from the get go. We just didn't play really great. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the issues that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, a lot of the issues that we've seen with some of our players kind of, of we reverted a little bit to some bad habits. Um, I thought Swiderski in particular had a really rough day. I, I think, you know, if you go back and you look at the goals, both of the goals, and by the way, we lose here to New York Red Bull uh, 2-0. Um, both of the goals that they score are actually from, the first is from a uh, just a dispossession of of. Carol Swiderski, uh, as he tries to, I think, do something a little bit fancy to try and play out the back. The second, there's a an opportunity for uh, aerial challenge that Swiderski, I don't think, goes strong enough into. Um, and and so in both of those situations, um, uh, Elias Manuel is able to to sort of get those balls. Um, I think. Harrison Awful has a, a fair amount of the blame on the first goal, too. I don't think he rotates over and covers 
uh, Manuel uh, well enough after Cisniega makes the first save. Um, we were just poor. Uh, it, you know, we had some opportunities. There, there were some some shots. We were talking before we got a mic about whether or not those were effective shots or not. Uh, they're on frame, but I don't know that any of them are. It, it, there's a header from Danny Rios that's probably the one of the better shots in in the game because. Or, or maybe it was the header from walks because it, it almost sneaks inside the post. But Santos has a, a sort of a curling ball from that Jordi Reyna spot. Um, and it's well set up. He does what, you know, I wanted to see Carol Swiderski do a lot of the time. He really kind of takes one touch and then takes a shot, but he puts it sort of center on the goal. Uh, it's a little bit higher, but I don't think it's a, an overly difficult save. Uh, for the rebel keeper and uh you know swiderski's got a couple too that i think are in a dangerous spot struck straight at the keeper so um all in all it was a relatively flat performance uh especially from charlotte fc not necessarily surprising uh but uh still disappointing yeah and i i'm gonna sort of look to josh because josh I like to think of myself as a stats guy. I like to think of myself as an analyst. And I also like to acknowledge that I lie to myself. So uh, I'm going to go to the person who actually is a stats guy. And uh, I'm going to ask you, we have in the past three games put up something like an average of 2.47 expected goals over the last three games. We had become a firing attacking team. And in this game, we are... Uh, not uh so sort of my question to you is what happened was there something that you know you saw that uh, the new york red bulls did that that shut down our attack did you see us trying to to spark it in a different way and it just didn't catch fire what happened to be honest with you my, my main takeaway from this game or the feeling that i got is not really stats based at all it's simply that we didn't look up for it I mean, to me, it just seemed like one of those games where we knew there was nothing really to play for. Um, not to say that the guys didn't try, because, I mean, they're professionals. They went out there. They, you know, they created. But this game didn't have anything on the line. And I think that is the difference. The the sharpness that we've seen in attack from a guy like uh, Swiderski wasn't there. Um, you know, Daniel Rios was pretty non-existent back to what you know he was before this goal explosion um even i thought you know uh, a guy like um Uzwiak and mckenzie Gaines, people you know guys i'm high on i didn't think that they had a uh the best showing in this and to me it just seemed like one of those things where we knew where we were in the standings we knew this wasn't going to make that big of a deal and so that edge that you really need to be to be clinical just wasn't there. Um, I will also say that to bring in stats, New York also wasn't very good in this game. I mean, we can talk about, you know, expected goals. Um, their two goals are very low percentage shots. I believe the first one is like a 0.1 XG and the second one is like a 0.02 or 3 XG. So, I mean, they're a little bit lucky in the scoreline and I think it flatters them because I think on this day, both of these teams just sort of slept walk through it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sort of one of the thoughts that I had was it looks like both teams sort of just shelled up and said, meh, not that, not that they were unwilling to go forward, but they were more willing to, to keep eyes on the defense. And it ended up being a, 
a bit of a long range shootout and uh the dice fell where the dice fell i mean <clears throat> if you look at the stats on this one it is it's dead even it's 0.8 xg to 0.8 xg and when you are flipping a coin then sometimes it comes down on heads and sometimes it comes down on tails and unfortunately whichever one we were it came down on the other justin uh do you uh, sort of agree that we can almost chalk this one up to not that they didn't want to be there but that nobody can be as can have their tail feathers that up for a game that ultimately really doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you also want at that point when you don't really have anything to, to play for, for this season, what you want your players to do more than anything, anything else is make it out without missing any part of next season. And from that perspective, we were very successful. You know, I don't think that we left it with any kind of, of, you know, injuries or anything like that. Obviously, it would be great to see the season end on a win, but um, it would have been a meaningless win and it would have been a painful, meaningless win if it had cost us, you know, knock on wood. But like if Adelson Melanda's ACL had torn in that match, that is the the worst. I, I would not trade Adelson Melanda's uh, ACL for a win in that particular one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you you make a good point there that, uh, number one goal when there's nothing on the table is to make sure you don't leave anything on the table as well. And uh, and I guess in that sense, uh, we don't get anything out of this game, but we also don't uh, take away any injuries or, or any real issues from it either. Uh, I am going to go ahead and move us along because the one I want to talk about least is the fact that we lost to the New York Red Bulls. Um, <laughs> let's just now erase that from our memories and never let it happen again. Uh, you want to jump into the news, Justin? Yeah, I mean, so we'll we'll real quick run down some of the news here at the end of the season. We unfortunately, as of this recording, which is October 12th, have no confirmed news on Christian Latanzia signing that extension or anything like that. I really would have expected it by now. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think if, you know, if we were as close as the, the initial reports had said, I think I would have seen it by now, would have hoped to. Yeah, the initial reports were kind of, I don't want to say they almost sounded like it was already done. You know, like like this had already been finalized and all it took was, was signing the thing. And and I was actually kind of on board for that because I felt like it meant that even if it wasn't the decision I was 100% on board for, it was a decision and it was a decision that was made with the time for Charlotte FC to go out into the market with you know, no questions. We know who's going to be at the head of the team. It's your project to run. You've been here a while. Everybody knows what they're buying into when they come to Charlotte FC. Go out there, get your players, start your project, right? And that was kind of how it was reported first to me. And maybe I'm I'm misinterpreting it, but that was kind of what I got was that it was it was basically, hey, we just need to sign the thing and then we're done. And that doesn't seem to have been what's happened. Uh, but uh, sorry to go on to the other news. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you, and I think, Josh, you may be too, right? This, this is something that needs to happen quickly. We need to be set at the manager position, and if it's Latanzio, okay, but let's do it. Agreed on all fronts. It shouldn't take this long if it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure that they're actually just caught up in arguing about uh, how their little thumb wrestling ring is going. <laughs> I'm sure that's what's holding them down. 
Yeah. Interestingly, though, you know, and I think sort of tending towards Latancia sticking around, uh, it was announced that the team would get a week off after the season ended. So we're in the middle of that week right now, but they're going to come back uh, on the weekend for three more weeks of probably closed door friendlies. So uh, by that, I mean, they're not going to be open to the public. There's not going to be fans there or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a few weeks of closed door uh, friendlies. That to me says this is Latanzio continuing to instill his his system, get a little bit more time with these players. So who knows yet? But but it has been announced that those friendlies are going to go off. Um, last couple of points, we did get the average attendance for the season. Uh, we are, I believe, second in the league with an average attendance of thirty five thousand four hundred and twenty two uh, fans per match, which is just absolutely insane. Once again, we need to to call out and recognize for this first season how amazing the fans have been, how amazing the various supporters groups have been. Uh, we watched the last match of the season since it was an away one with uh, a coming together of supporters from Min City Collective and Queen's Firm and QC Royals. And, and so it was an absolute blast. Uh, and it's a great community that's grown up around the team. And, and we've got to recognize it. We've got to respect it. We've got to love you guys for it. Yeah, all all the stuff that the fans do, we cannot we cannot say thank you enough. Um, yep, you know we one last. Oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. Yeah, really quickly, I, I am going to say every single time I sign off this podcast, I tell you all that we love you and we do love you because this sport is not the same without the fans, and it is not just it's not just us signing off of a podcast. It is it is a reach out to you guys and and an attempt to acknowledge what all of you guys do for this team. Uh, but yeah, uh, Justin, you want to, do you want to give the big announcement or should I do it? No, I, I actually have one last piece of news that I've, I forgot to include in our planning documentation, but, uh, the MLS goal of goals of the season video and saves of the season video have hit on YouTube. I encourage you to go and check those out. Charlotte makes three appearances in the goal of the season, uh, video two for the wrong reason. Uh, Zalarian's goal, uh, from the free kick from just a couple of weeks ago, uh, makes the list of the best goals of the season. We show up poorly for that one. And in a bookend, uh, since that's our second to last match of the season, our second match of the season, uh, there is an appearance of Charlotte FC for the first home game of the season. Efren Ramirez is worldy into the top corner, uh, makes the, the list of the best goals of the season. Um, we do get one in the saves of the season. We do get a, a save from um, Christian Kalina against uh, Joseph Martinez in the uh, Atlanta match. It's a snap save uh, uh, where he pushes high over the bar. Not, in my opinion, actually uh, Kalina's best save of the season, but, you know, it was a good one. Uh, and then we do show up, sorry, one last time in the goals of the season video. Uh, and it is a goal that Charlotte FC scores. And I'll give uh, my co-host here one guess as to which goal makes the goal of the season list for Charlotte FC. Uh, I will say I have not seen this, but I think I know what it is. Uh, should, Josh, should we like do a three, two, one and then say it on zero? Four. <laughs> All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Jordi Alcivar's Olympico. Oh, <laughs> I completely forgot about the Olympico. Wait, what, did you just Olympico. say? Did you just say it was a Carol Swiderski goal? Oh, I was Swiderski's free the, kick. I was thinking about the free kick that he had against uh, what was that, Cincinnati Cincy. or New England? Yeah, I think it was Cincy. It was a oh, great no. free kick. It, it was. I, it was a spectacular free kick. <laughs> I w- I'm bad at this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We still love it, you just as much as we love the fans. 
It was, in fact, the Olympico. Uh, so Jordi Alcivar, I don't know how much future the man has with the club, but he will always have one of the MLS goals of the season for the 2022 uh, season. That is accurate. And uh, I have one more big piece of news. And for those of you who have been listeners of the show from the very beginning, you will know that I am not a fan of talking about the referees. Um, they are something that unfortunately we cannot control. And as a, as a result, I think it's better to focus on what the team can control. I think that sort of putting the, the, the onus of every game on the referees for the decisions that don't go your way ends up in you. Uh, well, one ends up in often negative podcasting, but two ends up in there being an excuse and, uh, I have I have put my foot down pretty solidly in this podcast, and unless it's gotten really, 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 really bad, uh, I have I have held back from from having any real commentary on the referees, and uh, that's changing. People, we are in the off season now. I believe that you should not do that stuff when you have not had time to to take it in and think about it and make sure that your thoughts are uh, intelligent and collected. And I have been holding Justin back for too long. And if I don't let him go, if I don't let him speak his mind on the referees, he is going to run away and eat an entire tub of banana pudding. So coming up next week on Wednesday, we are going to have the actual referee referendum. We're going to be talking everything we can about how the referees have done in the MLS. We're going to be here. We're going to be speaking our minds on what have been some very questionable performances. Uh, and if that's something that you want to tune in and listen to, please join us. If you're somebody who says, hey, you know, the season's over. Uh, this isn't one, it might get a little negative. This isn't one I really want to listen to. Or sometimes I listen in the car with my children. Uh, you know, please skip this one. No hard feelings. We'll be happy to see you back for more content in the future weeks. But this is going to be our time to talk about the referees. And I think, Justin, would you say that it's fair that we are going to talk about the referees? Oh, yeah. It, it, and um, it's going to be a hard two-footed studs-up tackle on the officials for MLS. <laughs> it's going to be a metaphorical hard two-footed uh, studs-up tackle. You, you <laughs> Justin... know, you say metaphorical. <laughs> I've tracked a couple of them down. I'm t- <laughs> Okay. Uh, before we start getting uh, before we start getting questionable letters sent to us from lawyers and things, uh, we love you all so much. As ever, we thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, this has been another uh, podcast for the Crowncast, and you will keep hearing from us throughout the rest of the off season until we once again get to go and take three more points. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.